Okay. So it was your birthday. It was. What was it last week? When, last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. So this finally came in. Ooh, I like Please this. notice that like I ran out of wrapping paper, so only got <laughs> it only got half wrapped. Hey, it is at least covered, but I appreciate the unicorn wrapping paper you definitely bought for your nieces. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I ran out of the llama with a party hat. Aw. Party llama. I will just say this as you're opening it. I see your Stevie Nicks prayer oh candle. Oh, God. And I raise you this. This is really hard to open with one hand and holding the mic. Oh, I can imagine. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, this is incredible. <laughs> It is a Dolly Parton tarot card print, and it is amazing. (laughs) It took a long ass time for it to get here. She is the sun. (laughs) I love this so much. I literally went to Etsy and I searched Dolly Parton (laughs) and there were shirts. I was like, no, no. And then I saw that and I was like, sold. Perfect. Perfect. Look at her. (laughs) I'll put a picture up on the show notes because well we'll get to that in a second but i guess this is where we end our intro yeah this is where we begin our intro i'm leah i'm beth ann and this is she will rack you where are they getting a dub in a cbs executive meeting no bitch don't touch my thermostat (laughs) the ghost be like hold up before i haul you let me turn down the thermostat this is bad we're on page one guys this is she will rack you uh, we have business to discuss. We do. Business, business, business. Business, business, business. Um, we have a website now. We do. It has everything you'd expect from a website. It allows us to do more detailed show notes. So when we say, mm-hmm. hey, I watched this really crazy video, we'll share it. And then we forget to share it. Well, we're not going to forget anymore because I can just put it on the w- accompanying web page to that episode. Um, you can also sign up in the little footer to get an email every time we post to our RSS feed. So anytime mm-hmm. we drop an episode, in case you forget, uh, links to all our socials are there. You can send us an email there, you know, website stuff. Yeah. Um, but it means that our show outro gets to get so much shorter. Yes, Because it does. we can just say, visit our website and then end there. So... Go visit our website. It's pretty cool if I do say so myself. She did. Leah is the one who designed it. And she did a great job. And Oh, it's shewillrockyou.com. I should probably yes. mention that. We bought a domain, guys. We are legit in we this. Are, we are big girl podcasters yes. now. <laughs> we actually paid money for our website name. Businessy update, life update is we're going to a concert. Yeah. Well, like many concerts. We're going to a festival. <laughs> That's what a festival is known for. Many, many concerts. (laughs) Many, many concerts. Four days of concerts. We are lucky enough to have Blue Ridge Rock Festival in our backyard. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to ask them to partner with us. TBD how that goes. But we're going to bring you fun content around it either way. So Either we're getting authorized or we're not getting authorized. Either we're going to get help from them or they're going to (laughs) ignore us. Stay tuned. Yes, we're leaving this in here because... Maybe they'll listen to this episode. Maybe. But we're really hype. Um, if you joined our Instagram live before this, we talked about it, but... We should send them like a basket to like 
the guy who start, runs it and fill it with monster energy drink. Yes. We know you're going to be tired for the next Protein six bars. And like, I don't know, maybe a cookie. Yeah. And just throw it their way and be like, hey, this was provided to, to you by Shiwaraku. <laughs> Visit our website at shiwaraku.com. <laughs> um but no we were talking about this on instagram live they're different from other festivals i mean they're rock festival but that that's not the point um they don't announce the lineup when they put tickets on sale yeah. so you go in if you buy your tickets the first day you get really cheap tickets like a four-day pass the tier one pricing was 110 dollars, which is insane and that's for four days for four days um, which they added a fourth day this year. But the catch is you don't know who's playing yet. Mm-hmm. And so as of today, which is March 31st, when we're recording this, only eight artists have been announced. And I want to see one. There's 180 <laughs> spots to fill, guys. Yeah. Every day. We got a lot going. And I feel like me and Leah's text messages have been, this person just got announced. And us like theorizing who's going to get announced based off of who they follow on Instagram. Yes. No headliners have been announced at this point. It's just a bunch of like mid-level bands. So, but also only eight have been announced and the big ones I'm sure are still They'll get announced in August. Yeah. We got a while to go. And I mean, with 180 to go, like they're going to start revving it up. Like maybe Friday's doing like three or four. Today they jumped from one day to two a day. Yeah. Um, I feel like maybe this weekend we might get our first big name. Probably. But I love, personally, I love this marketing strategy because... Oh, it's genius. It gives you something to look forward to every, like, 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to get you hype. I think, actually, what they're doing, most festivals should adapt to. Yeah, I think it's it's awesome. Like, when Bonnaroo announced today, too, their whole lineup, and you read the poster and you go, eh, yeah. that's cool. And a lot of the smaller names, you just skim over, like... right. You don't want to read them. You go. Everybody gets their spotlight. Yeah. You go. Oh, this is headlining. Cool. But you don't read those little tiny people at the bottom. Yeah. So shout out to Blue Ridge Rock Fest. Stay tuned for more content around that. We'll be there. That's right. If you're there. Come find us. Shoot us an Instagram message. We'll meet up. Definitely. I think that's everything we had to talk about. I believe so. All right. Potatoes have returned. Yes. You missed our taco hour. It was great. It was fantastic. Love oh, this is your tacos. outline. I was looking oh, yeah. at the trigger warning. I was like, I don't have a trigger warning for my... <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler for next time. <laughs> okay. Man, I'm so nervous about... I've <laughs> actually... I don't get nervous about episodes that much. This is the first time I've been nervous about an episode. It happens with the big ones. Yes. This is... So, I was telling Leah during the IG Live. This is number two off my wish list. The first one was Elton John. This is number two. And I feel like when you decide to do a big one off your list, you get really nervous. Just I just think in general, because you're like, man, I want to cover everything. I want to do it right. So like I said, this is a big one, but it's also a special episode because it's our 40th episode. We're over the hill. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Why do you have to make such a good joke like that? (laughs) So to make this episode special doing a big name off my wish list and i also read a book wow well an audiobook and i say i read a book i did half of it <laughs> so hey i finished my book that i started on oh, sunday geez. i don't want, like it is truly an 
I don't know how you do it because I have to do audiobooks because I can listen on my commute or yeah. when I'm at work. Like I can usually like be pretty good, but I can't like pick up a book anymore. It's sad. But the benefit of like a physical book, well, I use an ebook this time, which was amazing because yeah. it wasn't a Kindle e-reader. It's the Hoopla e-reader and you can highlight sections. Mm-hmm. And then you can filter by just your highlighted sections. Ooh. So I read the whole book and then just went back and referenced my highlighted notes. And I, I mean, like, that is true. I had to go back and listen to little pieces of it. Yeah. But I mean, most of my like time at home, either I'm doing my research or I'm crocheting watching RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> and I can't do that with a physical book. No, I don't That's get to watch a lot of pretty TV. hard. But anyway, who are we talking about? We are talking about... The great goddess herself, Janis Joplin. The angels are singing under LSD, but they are singing. It's very disoriented. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to warn you. I'm a little nervous, but also like I feel like this outline's a little bit more jumpy. And I think that's because she's a little bit jumpy. Like she's kind of going from place to place to place. So don't be surprised if she's like in one place and then in another one the next breath. That's just Janis. Just how it is. Just Janice and I also feel like Janice's story is not really like any other artist we've covered because like her she didn't have this like huge childhood aspiration to become a rock artist it just kind of happens to her she just needed to have her moment and be like oh cool this is the direction I want to go so just following the vibes yeah really without further ado Janice Joplin so Janice Lynn Joplin was born on January 19th, 1943 in Port Arthur, Texas. In the documentary I watched, it was called Little Girl Blue. They showed an old footage like of Port Ar- Arthur. And like, you know, a rock and roll legend was going to be born there because the city population, like the sign they showed, said 66676. <laughs> that's only one letter from being like the ultimate supreme rock god yeah so anyway port arthur is just like oil ship town kind of like what you think a texas oil coast town would be her dad worked for texaco which is kind of cool um her mom worked various jobs including like teaching typing at a local college first off her parents like one they lived life large before they had kids which is probably the best way to do it the biggest vibe (laughs) yes they went to parties her mom would like was known for like getting on tables and dancing (laughs) it's this coyote ugly yeah (laughs) 1920s coyote ugly janice's mom was doing it way before you bitches um but like you can see where janice gets her spirit from if you're not like familiar well you're gonna get to know janice but she's a wild child like she actually embodies that phrase um, her mom was also a singer. Like, I think she did opera, but she didn't really do anything with it other than like a school production. Um, when they had Janice, who was the firstborn, they settled down. Uh, but they actually like, I think they actually had a good mindset for the 50s, like raising kids because they let their kids like explore ideas and research things. Wow. I know. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I feel like you don't you didn't see that very much in the 60s. It was like, do what you're told or else. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. Um, she also had two siblings. Laura, who wrote the book Love Janice, which is a big source for this episode, and Michael. 
Um, growing up, Janice had the standard Texas childhood of the 40s and 50s. And what I mean by that is for fun, her and her friends found a dead snake. And then they tied said snake to a rope, like <laughs> wrapped the rope around its neck. And then they hid in the grass on the other side of the road. <laughs> and once a car was coming, they like dragged the snake <gasps> across the oh, road. That's amazing. And there was many accidents that almost happened because of that. That's amazing. Um, she also, like many rock artists, had a stint in the local choir. But she was kicked out. Good for her. <laughs> I mean, that's a first on our podcast, I feel like, that we yeah. know of. Um, the reason was she did not want to listen. And nor should she. She's Janis Joplin, damn it. <laughs> you should listen to her. Um, I want to say, like, up to these young, tender age, uh, tender years, she's a real sweet kid. But then as we approach high school, things really start to change. Uh, so around that time of high school, she became, like, pretty ostracized from the other kids. Like, kids were just straight up mean to her. And this continued through, like, high school into college before she became anything, people just are so fucking mean. It drives me up a wall. And like she gained like a little bit of weight, but like nothing, not like, you know, like when they say people gain weight, but it's like maybe five pounds yeah, it's of like, what the actual normal weight should be. It's not even noticeable. Yeah, it's not even noticeable. That's how I would describe it. And she had acne, which fun fact, <laughs> doctors blamed it on her instead of puberty. Yeah, it's your fault your genetics yeah. said fuck you. That's exactly right. <laughs> but this is just, you know, to give you the definition of what the 50s is like. Like, it was a mean time. When you see Leave it to Beaver, incredibly whitewashed <laughs> compared to what actually people, like, oh, God. Anyway. See Bing Cosby episode. Yeah, see see the Bing, yeah. Bing Cosby episode. Um she also is developing a mouth at this time, which I say good for her. Like to the point where kids would dare her to string together like a sentence of explicitives. <laughs> like I love that. So an ostracized girl, but can curse and get in your face a little. Sounds like the per perfect person to hang out with a bunch of outcast kids known as the beatniks back in the day. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Okay. I just hate that word. I, don't I know. know why I hate that word, but I, do. I know. But for those who aren't familiar with like a beatniks, think of like the boys from West, West Side Story. That's yeah. That But that style, that's maybe like a little bit darker clothes. And also if you need, I forgot I put this in here. If you need further explanation, this article from the Daily Texan explains it further. Quote, beatniks would be like comparing a large sack of potatoes to a small sack of onions. <laughs> The onions may be a little spicier, but they're all onions. Just the same. What that, fucking sense does that make? That literally makes no sense. I love the aesthetic are that the they were trying to describe, but when you apply it, it makes not a lick of sense. Are the beatniks the onions? I'm assuming. <laughs> like it, like an ogre. They're an they onion. They have layers. <laughs> they have layers. <laughs> we're a potato. I mean, you're just a fucking potato. There's there's not much you can do after that point i'm a potato <laughs> please find that sound on tiktok and put it in there oh god um there was this one group of boys that janice hung out with well they didn't allow girls except for janice she made the cut she's one of the boys yeah she's one of the boys honestly you see that kind of that trend throughout her life 
Um, but it was through those outcast kids that she discovers blues and jazz. Think Ma Rainey and Lead Belly. And you'll see music from this point start to like creep in her life. But supposedly she didn't really start singing until high school. I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw that in a documentary and I wrote it. But then I went to go back and verify, <laughs> verify it. So that's that is what I believe is true. So anyway. So you see music start to creep back in. And in high school, she would also go sneak out with the boys to see blues performers at different clubs, like all the way in Louisiana. So she would literally, (laughs) so she snuck out one time, went to Louisiana shows with some boys and she got caught driving under age by police. And needless to say, the 1950s girls took every liberty to slut shame her. This yeah. poor thing. But also, one of the guys that she went with said in the documentary that she would sometimes cause fights in Louisiana for the hell of it. <laughs> and the guys would pull a Mariah and say, I don't know her. Sorry. <laughs> like, Janice is getting admitted into the Salty Splatoon, in case you didn't know, at this point. She's not at Weenie Hut Juniors. No, but the guys are for saying they don't know her. Um, I also can't fit this anywhere, but I feel like it needs to be said. So her dad was a bootlegger. I mean, of course, if he's a partier back in the day, he's bootlegging. Yeah. And he would make bathtub gin. And so she's so inspired by that. And in high school, she decides to make bathtub beer, (laughs) which goes horribly wrong. Yeah. But I love that her parents were like, okay, give it a try. And literally it just went bad. And she like, put it in the back like dumped it all in the backyard well but you know gotta learn a life skill somehow that's right um she also developed a passion for speaking out against things that were wrong for example in class one time excuse me in class one time she spoke out against the treatment of black people and spoke in favor of integration in schools that got her a lot of flack not only from students but teachers and she was so outspoken about it that poor Arthur, which happened to have an active KKK chapter, then um, the sons and daughters of that chapter just started harassing her and making her a target. Damn. Like, her life was hell in high school just for being herself. Damn. She had the KKK hmm. coming after her. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. I also want to put this here. Like, a strong number of the songs that Janice sang... I don't know why I'm putting this here, but we're just going to go with it. Um, A number of the songs that she would sing later in her career would be covers, which I think is really important to note because I think many of the artists that we cover in the 60s, they'll do a lot of covers. Everyone was just stealing each other's songs at that point. They would literally go, I heard this song on this album. Do you want to cover it? And they'd be like, okay yeah but what i love about her though is she like because she was into blues she's covering a lot of black artists so the piece of my heart from uh big brother that's irma franklin who is the older sister of aretha franklin it's great and i mean her song the irma franklin version is great as well i personally like the janice one a little bit more but ball and chain was also big mama thurton also incredibly great but this is just i wanted to put this in here because it's another reminder of like how significant black artists are to rock and roll 
And the thing with Janice that I really loved is she acknowledged them the entire way. And I think that's nice because I think a lot of times like songs just get taken and you just assume it's their songs. Yep. But if you look stole a lot of songs and never gave anyone Yeah, credit. no one gave credit. She literally along the way is like, man, you got to listen to this artist. They are incredible. Like she, I'm going to mention this later, but she like bought a tombstone for a black artist Aww. who never got one. Like she literally honored these guys. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I love this. Anyway. Um, after graduating high school in 1960, she went on to attend college. First place was called Lamar State. She did not last long. And mainly because she was just at this point where she's developing an interest in art and wants to go to an arts program. So she drops out and says, hmm, I got some aunts living in Los Angeles. Let's go there. And she moves in with her aunts. Um, but she kind of becomes a vagabond in this kind of time where, you know, at one point she's in Los Angeles then she's moving to Venice Beach. And then I think she was like going to go to San Francisco, but then she changed her mind and went to Port Arthur. I'm not entirely sure how that matches up. Um, but finally she's like, all right, let's give college another try and goes to the University of Texas in Austin. So keep in mind up to this point, she really just wants to be like an artist. And I mean like an actual art. Like a artist. Traditional artist. Yeah. No, no, no. A cool one. Little, so like. <laughs> like paints and shit. Like, well, kind of like paints and shit. Like one of her paintings was she took some split pea soup and put it Ew. on a canvas with a ham bone. <laughs> Is it like the banana taped to the wall? Yeah. Very, very similar. Okay. But, you know, music never really left her and it's really starting to come back to her in a big way because while she's at university of texas she starts taking music a little bit more seriously she starts experimenting with folk and blues music um spoiler alert she's going to fuse the two together wow she also is embracing her differences as well because it's college and all this leads to an article that the daily texan wrote about her they couldn't leave her alone could they now quote she goes barefooted when she feels like it, wears Levi's to class because they're more comfortable, and carries her auto harp with her everywhere she goes so that in case she gets the urge to break into song, it will be handy. Yeah. I mean, two of those points are pretty <laughs> much my mood, but I don't carry an auto harp around. Yeah. Um, and while in college, she joined her first band called the Waller Creek Boys, which just like screams Texas folk to me. Yeah, it does. Um, in 1962, she records her first song in a um, University of Texas student's dwelling called What Good Can Drinking Do? Um, but she, she didn't have a good time at University of Texas. And I didn't put this in here, but I feel like it needs to be talked about. So, like, even in college, people were just mean to her because she does not fit in mm -hmm. with, you know, their standards, their standards to the point where literally I think it was in the Daily Texan. Someone put her name in there as like it was either the ugliest man or something like that. And That's so people mean. voted like she got the category and it's like that kind of shit sticks with you the rest of your life what the fuck this but like i want reason i bring up this story is you need to like 
thank God we're living where we are, like in the yeah, time that frame shit we are would never now. fly today. Yeah, but also like people cannot handle things that are different than them. No, they can't. And Janice embodied it. I mean, I don't think she could avoid it, even if she tried. Anyway, so after a couple semesters, she and her friend Chet Holmes, who's going to come important in a little bit, um, they quit school, which I understand. <laughs> Both don't in blame the present you. time and in a... Don't blame you one yeah. bit. Um, so they moved to San Francisco. And Janice was convinced by Jet to do this because he thought she could just make it there as a singer. So while in San Francisco, she would meet Jorma Kokanen, um, who would later become the guitarist for Jefferson Airplane. And together they recorded this really cool tape together. Um, so what it was, it was him playing guitar she's singing some covers and then jorma's wife is in the background and she's like typing the entire time so hmm. it's like known as like the typewriting tape or something hmm. like that um you can find it like on youtube but it's kind of like a lo-fi beat beta is the best way i can describe the original lo-fi yeah recorded in a tin can yeah yeah but it's i like it i think it's really cool like it's a cool ambiance thing but in san francisco it's not really a good move for her. And that's because drugs. Yay, <laughs> drugs. <laughs> um, I mean, like, she's getting to the point, though, like, you can definitely tell. I mean, I don't know this, but you can kind of tell. You know, like, some people are just more prone to get addicted to drugs. Like in Ozzy research we covered. Yeah. He's a very rare in that... He would be addicted to dr- to drugs. His genomes yeah. say it, but he also has a weird genome that says he can handle it. Yes, so somehow not, many of us do not have this gene. <laughs> do not try to tempt and see if you have this gene. I guarantee you, you are part of the ninety nine percent that does not. Unless you are Ozzy Osbourne, do not attempt. Do not attempt. So anyway, so she's just like getting sick from doing so many drugs and drinking and partying, partying. And it just comes to a point where she is just, her friends are like, listen, you got to go home. This is not the time and place for you. Um, she also has a fiance at this point. His name's Peter LeBlanc, who's also doing drugs as well. So they both like agree, let's leave San Francisco, go home to our respective towns and get cleaned up and then reunite and get married. Yay. Because that can not go wrong. Well, if you, if you cannot tell by my tone inflection, Peter is not important to the story, especially because old Petey was seen slash living with another woman ah. and then got her pregnant ah. and Janice found out by calling the apartment and hearing another woman. Ooh. So yeah, we don't like Petey. Bye Pete. Bye Petey. So at this point, she's going back to Port Arthur, Texas. Her family is just like concerned for her, trying to get her help. She does get help and stays clean for a little bit, um, goes to a therapist in nine yards. We also see at this time, like Janice tries to fit in a little bit by like changing her hairstyle to like a beehive and tries to go to, I know, I know, I don't like to think about it. And then tries to go back to school. And I mean like, yeah, get off of drugs, but don't fit in. <laughs> don't conform all the way. Yeah, but I mean, as you can imagine, you know where the story is going. 
the fitting in part does not stick around. So even though she's in Port Arthur, she's still commuting over to Austin to sing. And in 1965, she produces a seven song album. Now, one day, one of her Austin friends introduces her to a new band playing called Big Brother and the Holding Company, who happens to be playing in Austin. And they also happen to be auditioning women as lead singers because they want to be edgy. Um, But Janice goes with her friend to see them live and she remarks, that's it. That's what I want to do. Fun fact, Chet Helms is the manager of that band. Oh. So there's a connection point. So (laughs) shortly after, Janice, and I think Chet is with her at this point. Um, They drive to her parents' house and they're like, go in there. Tell your parents you're going to San Francisco. And she's like, fine, fine. She goes in and tells her parents she's going to Austin for a weekend and then gets in the car and drives over to San Francisco. Oh my gosh. And I don't think she tells them until like a postcard when she arrives that she's actually in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. But her parents were really pretty upset about it because like they knew like what happened last time and how close to death she pretty much got like they were convinced if she went back went back out there she wasn't going to make it back yeah and unfortunately that was true but when janice auditions for the band it took her some time to like adjust her singing style because she still has this blues country voice Mm -hmm. and they're a hard rock band And when I say a hard rock band, I mean like they got electric guitars (laughs) and prototype hard prototype hard perfect prototype hard rock band. And one of the band's like first gigs was called the Mantra Rock Dance, which featured the Grateful Dead, and it was a concert that benefited the building of a Hare Krishna temple. So that's appropriate. Um, Then what I would consider their big break. They played the Monterey Monterey Pop Festival. We've briefly talked about this festival, but if I could sum it up, it's Woodstock Beta. Mm. It's Woodstock, the genesis of Woodstock, if you will. It's West Coast Woodstock. Yes. That's a great way of saying it. Um, But it also is credited to propelling the summer of love of 1967. Like, this was the start of it. Um, This performance puts them puts the band on the map but it makes Janice a star like for some uh, oh I love this part for some stupid reason though we don't have a ton of footage of Janice performing because the new manager of the band Chad had left the new manager said to the documentary crew who are making a documentary about it he said you can't film them without compensation so they only got to film like ball and chain which was the last song yeah Anyway, regardless of that, like the press is just like in love with Janice, which kind of pisses off the rest of the rest of the band. Sorry, guys. But Vogue described her as, quote, the most staggering leading woman in rock. She slinks like tar, scowls like war, clutching the knees of the final stanza, begging it not to leave. Janice Joplin can sing the chic off any listener. Ooh, that's a, That's actually I, I love when you get a good word at 1950. 60s article um one report said she was the most important female singer to emerge since aretha franklin Mm. and after her after their performance i should say 
Columbia Records just rushed in or like, hey, want to get signed? And of course they say yes. So then a year later, after Monterey signing, the band releases their debut album, Cheap Thrills, in 1968. I have some fun facts about this. Oh, gosh. There's a lot of changes <laughs> that were made to this album before arriving to the form we have today. Keep in mind, while they are labeled hard rock, they really are labeled during that time as psychedelic rock. Ooh. So think acid trips. Okay. Sergeant Pepper's era. Yeah, exactly. Beatles. So first, it was originally called Sex, Dope, and Cheap Thrills. And Columbia's like... Nah, you need to get rid of sex and dope because it's too literal. But cheap thrills, it's ominous. Yeah. So they go with cheap thrills, which I mean, yeah, sure. Um, the second album, I'm sorry. Second, the album artwork is iconic. I would say for the '60s Woodstock era. Like as a kid, um, I remember going to the Woodstock Museum, uh, which is like 40 minutes from where I grew up. They uh have this like album, and I remember just like staring at it for like 10 minutes because it's made up of like each song has its own cartoon mm. depiction but when i went as an adult and looked back at it i had no clue they had a racist depictor that i'm not gonna get into like it was it's a cover of summertime from porgy and bess but uh. still even on that side of the arrow we still have problems yeah but interesting it's amazing when you go back in retrospect and you're like oh that was not okay yikes and then um but this was not like the first album cover <laughs> they come up with the first one was just like a picture of the band and they're like no that's too boring so then they're like hmm how about a photo of all of us in a hotel room naked but why did i knew <laughs> why did i know you're gonna say naked well i mean it's janice joplin um Known for posing with her top off. There's yeah. plenty of photos. Like she has these insane beads that she would always wear. So it's these huge beads and just, you know, topless. It's actually, it's quite an iconic photo. The original OnlyFans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she would totally have an OnlyFans account uh, if I'm she gonna, was alive today. I'm tweet that later. And I would 100% subscribe to it. <laughs> Rest in peace, Janice. You would have loved OnlyFans. <laughs> oh god anyway um third this album was originally supposed to be live and you can hear like pieces of live recording throughout the album but they didn't like the sound of it when i say they columbia so they re-recorded most of the album which probably in hindsight was better because i don't understand a live album as your debut album to be quite honest unless you're slayed don't go that route yeah and the only like full live song was ball and chain which i do agree needs to be live it's a great song when the album was released it remained number one on the billboard for like eight consecutive weeks it's listed on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. It has been admitted to the National Registry for preservation. And personally, this is just a great album. You need to go listen to it. It's so great. It's such like, yes, it sounds like a tin can. It's interesting how in the 60s, like right up to like 1969, everything sounds like a tin can. The 1970s hit and it's like actually We learned listenable. how to record things. <laughs> yeah, it's the weirdest thing. But anyway. So, it's, so, when we hit the moon... The moon was like, you can record now. You found me. <laughs> um, 
so we see around this time, Janice is starting to change. So in the documentary, one of the people they interviewed talked about how she was like losing her emotional honesty, which I thought was a really great way of describing it. That's a good phrase. Yeah. And she just adapted to this caricature that people just made up about her in her mind. And this really plays a big role in the next decision she makes. So right after Cheap Thrills, it is announced that Janice and Sam Andrew, who's a guitarist, would be leaving so that Janice could go solo and start a soul band. And that soul band would turn into what would be known as Cosmic Blues Band. Um, The band's made of mostly session guitar musicians. They're there to back up Janice anyway, so might as well. But before we get into the music, we need to talk about her drug habit at this point because, yes, it has come back. Um, So a couple years back before she moved to, um, no, when she had just moved to San Francisco, um, she moved in with a friend, but let him know, like, hey, I can't see anything drug related. Like, I just can't. And he's like, cool. Yeah, we won't do that. And he doesn't do it. But his friends do. And so she comes in one day with band member Dave Getz. And there's just two people randomly shooting up in her apartment. And she just goes like, starts screaming about how she can't see that. And I get it. Like she wants her. Yeah. There is a line in here where she is scared of relapsing and she actually wants to live a good life. Yeah. But it goes back to my theory of she has a very addictive personality and it's really hard when you see those things around you. Yeah. So unfortunately, when she's back in San Francisco, I think it's like three weeks in, she does relapse and just become a regular user. And at this point, when she's leaving um, Big Brother and going into Cosmic Blues, she is spending $200 a day on heroin, Jeez. which is $1,300 today. Jeez. Yeah. But back to the music. In 1969, she releases her first solo album, I Got Them Old Cosmic Blues, Mama. I love this album. Great album title. I just love this album in general. Like, it's pretty successful, but it doesn't, like, match Cheap Thrills. And that really bums her out because she's like, was this a good decision? You know, all those doubts you would struggle with. But But that album contains one of my favorite songs of all time, Try Just a Little Bit Harder, which is just... Oh my gosh. Like, I don't understand how people uh, sleep on this song because it's so good. Um, But sadly, this is the only solo album that will be released while she's alive. Mm. Oh, God, I hate this. So right before Cosmic Blues, there's another significant event. And that would be Woodstock. So Janice arrives by helicopter because you can't, get to Woodstock any other way true at this point um but she arrives on the Sunday at first she's like she told her band hey this is just a normal gig it's all good and then she like sees the crowd and she gets so excited and she gets so excited to the point that she can't really talk to the press and she like defers it to her friend Peggy Caserta which we'll talk about a little bit in a second um but Woodstock was not only notorious for those crowds, they're notorious for their delays. And Janice had to wait 10 hours to go and do her set. That's It is 2 a.m. before she gets on stage. Now, what is a drug user going to do for those 10 hours? Mm, drugs? Yes. 
And unfortunately, I don't know where I have this in the outline. Peggy is just not the best for her either when there's drugs around. But anyway, she gets on stage at 2 a.m. She's high and stoned. And she even asks the crowd, how are you guys doing? Are you staying stoned out there? Like it's a, it's a notorious Woodstock line. You know what everyone's doing out there. Yeah. Like notorious. Um, But, you know, like she's not... This isn't her best performance. Like she knows it's a little bit off and she's like, her voice is cracking. She's having trouble dancing. Uh, Peter Townsend from the who, cause I think they were performing like right after her mm-hmm. um, was watching the performance. And he said like, he could tell it was an off night for Janice cause he saw her at Monterey, but he still said she's incredible. Like even on an off night, Janice is still incredible. Yeah. Um, but because she, Janice knows it's off, she doesn't really release any material. So like the material from the from Janice's performance, there isn't a ton in the Woodstock documentary, mm-hmm. which is sad. Like this is just sad. I feel like Janice is just one of the most original artists. But either like people are like, no, you have to compensate her or she's just like, oh, it's off. We can't. We can't so like the two it. most important documentaries. I know. In his, in rock history. She's barely in them. Um, so back to Peggy she's important to Janice's story I would say so they first met when she was in San Francisco um Peggy owned a boutique and like Janice came in one time and something happened and she got a free pair of pants (laughs) from Peggy um but they also were friends but they also were on and off lovers so they had like an on and off thing um her management did not like Peggy because whenever she was around, so were drugs because Peggy was also a user too. And they felt like she's an enabler. Probably right. Yeah. But if you've ever seen pictures of Woodstock, Peggy is the one like in that really pretty tie dye dress. I'll show you the picture. Um, who's always with Janice. Like there's always this like photo of Janice hanging at Woodstock with her tie dye outfit. And then another woman in a tie dye dress. Mm. And that's Peggy. So after Woodstock, the Cosmic Blues band, it's not really working out. And I don't think a lot of her fans really like this band either um, because they're more loyal to Big Brother. Um, But also, like, she's not the best, admittedly, at leading a band either. So that's, like, something you have to, like, learn when you have a backing band. Yeah. how to actually lead them. So she and another member agree, we're just going to dissolve it. And in that time, um, she decides to go to Brazil because she wants to take a break from drugs and really try to get clean. So there she meets a man named David. We like David. David, he's a, he's an okay. all right guy. We, David's a good guy. And like he was there too, like traveling the world. And she like went to Brazil not only just to get clean, but like the carnivals that they do there yeah. the, in uh Anyway, so she was there for that. Meets him on a beach. He was just randomly there. And then they just started like hanging out inseparably. And then they started dating. Um, He said something like really interesting. He said like the reason why Janice did heroin was because she could feel everybody's pain. And the heroin was a release from that pain, which I think is very fascinating. And I mean, it's true because she also, even though she has this really like tough side to her 
she does love like the people in her life she loves the people in her life Mm -hmm. um but he would help her get clean in brazil so that's why we like him okay uh they would kind of like go separate ways. So he decided to travel out to North Africa. Yeah. So they were running each other once in a while, but like she considered him, her act, uh, considered him her lost love. Aww. Like she actually loved this guy. But when she gets back to the States, she finds another group. It's a Canadian group who used to back a singer named Ronnie Hawkins. And at first they name it main squeeze, but <laughs> shortly it's changed to full tilt boogie band she loves this band she's quoted as saying this is my band like i found it this Mm -hmm. is the band i'm supposed to be with and she does a few concerts with them including like a reunion show show with big brother but mainly um people are starting to notice how different she is on stage at this point because i think the years of like drugs and alcohol has finally taken a toll on her performance in 1970, she begins work on her next album, which would be her final album called Pearl. A uh, very interesting story of how that came to be, that title. Janice had once discussed with Peggy about changing her name to Pearl, while Peggy would change her name to Ruby, mm-hmm. which is my niece's name. <laughs> um, one day, according to Peggy, they both went out to breakfast, and while Janice read the newspaper, a headline said along the lines of, Ruby said to Pearl, Pearl, go become a stenographer. And that's what Janice's parents wanted her to become. So I think that's kind of cool. Like that's kind of the connection point there. Um, I also want to cover some key events that are happening into the recording and shortly before her death. As I I think it kind of paints a picture as what's happening in her mind. So first thing, Janice teams up with Juanita Green. I don't really know who Juanita is. She didn't have a hyperlink on Wikipedia. Um, to purchase a tombstone for the famed singer Bessie Smith. She goes to her 10-year high school reunion, which she hated, but mainly went to hold a press conference to really rip into the town. Good. Which I understand, but like, I've watched the clip of her at her high school. Re- it is almost heart-wrenching. Cause you can see the pain that she's holding back mm-hmm. and like, God, like, and, and these interviewers are literally asking questions to invoke more pain. Like you don't, it's what the press does. I know what they, I know they did that back then, but still like I could literally see her holding back tears. And it's like, I think it's hard for me to see it. Cause I've always idolized Janice. Yeah. And then you watch that and you're like, holy shit. Like the things that she had to go through with those people. And now she's a success and it still fucking hurts. Yeah. I mean, it's going to hurt. It's a deep wound. Anyway, um, number three, she returns to California. She gets engaged to a random 21-year-old college student named Seth Morgan. Okay. I don't know. I think he's a rebound personally from Dave, who we love. Um, but he, she moves into a hotel, the Landmark Hotel, while renovation work is being done on her house. And for some reason, he lives at the house. I don't really know. So then, a couple of days before October 4th, she, Peggy, and Seth were going to have like a menage a trois at her hotel room, but they like both abandon her individually. 
and it like really like made her upset mm-hmm. which i get because it's not just about you know menage a trois it's really about the company the companionship and there's just this constant string of loneliness that she's just experiencing um she remarked while recording pearl like when she was talking with just some people she's like all these other guys get to go home with other people and it's just me Mm. and i think that it's just you you see that especially when you get to the last few years of your life you can see the turmoil she's made it but she still feels that loneliness Mm -hmm. and people not understanding her so october 4th um she was found dead from drugs drug overdose by her manager in her hotel room and what sucks is she had previously been clean the brazil the brazil yeah it's like kept her clean yeah since brazil from my understanding from Mm -hmm. my research she had been clean since brazil but it was that one hit and apparently like there's this whole thing like peggy because she eventually i guess went to the hotel room after she died and said i saw her on the ground and she's like that's just not what you do when you get an overdose and peggy says what happened was she was just stoned and she smacked her nose like on the table and like that doesn't choked on her own you. blood that's what she's saying but i don't know why I, I think she's just trying to justify like yeah. it wasn't the drugs. It wasn't the drugs. When it at the was. end of the day, drugs was involved with it. Yeah. And if you've been clean that long and you try to shoot up with the same amount that you were using before, right. you don't have any tolerance. Correct. And it just kills you. And but she was saying like, oh, but she shot up or some people were saying like, well, she shot up and then went to the lobby and bought cigarettes and they were saying like apparently like sometimes heroin can like it's a slow death like she didn't know she was dying when she went to that hotel lobby like it wasn't that instant where some overdoses happen we're gonna put a trigger warning on this (laughs) is what i'm slowly realizing (laughs) um but what really sucks i hate this like the morning of her death a telegraph came in for her from david oh no telling her how much she he loved her And how he wanted her to come to Kathmandu with him. Oh, that's really sad. <sighs> God. I hate it. Um, so as for her album, because she died three weeks before it was released. She had recorded most of the vocal tracks at that point. Um, she was supposed to like that the day that she passed. She was supposed to um, record the vocals for Buried Alive and Blues. Um, but that song would, it's still on the album. It's now just instrumental. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pearl was Joplin's best performing album and it's often cited as a masterpiece. And I agree. It is a masterpiece. Um, when it was released, it went number one on the billboard charts for nine weeks and certified quadruple platinum. It is featured on Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time. But there is like this larger story to Janice I think for Janice she loved so deeply and a few regarded in the documentary about how much she loved people and I think it hurt her when other people didn't meet that Mm -hmm. same love that she she didn't feel like it was being reciprocated and I think one of her bandmates from Big Brother said like 
when someone didn't like her, it just crushed her. And she carried that crush because where she grew up, people didn't like her because she was different. In retrospect, in my opinion, there seems to be this aura around people who are different. And it can threaten a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's absolutely true for Janice. Like, history has shown Janice was a pioneer, not only in music, but just like thought as well, because Mm -hmm. she is really intelligent. If you watch her interviews and the way she tackles questions, like she's thinking in a different way than a lot of people were. You could argue it's drugs, but like I think it's truly because these guys were trying to think outside the box. Yeah. And I mean, you also see in her standing up for civil rights in the 50s. And on another aspect of this journey and once again this is like my conclusion based off some of the research i did she was a very vulnerable person more so than what i think people she let people let on to Mm -hmm. and she took her strength which is great everyone should have that strength but she built more of a persona around it and that's not a dig at her at all but it's also just seems like she was already tough she was already an incredibly strong woman and she was just trying to take that trait and like exaggerate it to where it was overpowering Mm -hmm. her other emotions and discernment and where it's like she and other others would typecast herself as like the tough girl right and i think when uh there was trouble in the water she would double down I'm being tough. I'm tough. I can do this, right? Instead of exploring those emotions that were coming up. And I think drugs ultimately got in the way of all that. So regardless, I don't want to end on what she did wrong or why, what, when led to her death. But I want to talk about just how amazing of a soul she was and why ultimately she's one of my biggest inspirations. She added heart to every single thing she sang. And I mean, that's why she gravitated towards blues. Mm -hmm. You just hear it in her voice. And like I said, I also love that she like regarded blues singers so highly and praised them in the press. I love that. Um, She brought a completely different singing style to the stage. And I think she's one of those people that really paved the way for different singing styles so, like, people who call her, like, one of their biggest inspirations, Stevie Nicks, Florence Welch, and Pink. That makes sense. Three very distinctive voices. In a 1995, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2013, there was a musical called A Night with Janis Joplin, produced on the book Love Joplin from her sister. But, yeah, that is the legacy of Janis Joplin. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If it's nice, we'll read it on the air. Special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can visit our website at shewillrockyou.com. There you'll find everywhere that we're streaming, all of our socials, and the show notes. And remember, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs.